This episode is supported by Vegamore. I'm a month and a half into my Vegamore journey. I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed hair thinning before. And it's exciting to see those little babies coming in. I use the shampoo, conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell. I've been consistently using this and it makes my hair feel soft and full. And it's really important to me that I use safe and conscious products whenever I can. And Vegamore is 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Hi there. Welcome back to the Mom and Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kat, and this is another episode of Behind the Sessions. And today I'm going to talk about emotional pain and suffering. Now, this is a topic that all of us know about, all of us have experienced and may even be experiencing right now, but not a lot of people talk about openly. And that's part of the reason why I want to talk about it with you today. There are any number of things that happen in people's lives that impact them physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in any other way that a human being can be affected. We are also in a society where sometimes pain or suffering, or at least the expression of it, is seen as a weakness. And because of that, it's often experienced as a weakness, meaning we tell ourselves that we are weak for having emotions, having pain, having suffering with emotional pain. And furthermore, in part because of those societal, cultural, whatever pressures, we're often not even in tune with being in pain or having emotional suffering when we are experiencing it ourselves. A countless number of people are taught to ignore how they feel. That's changing a bit in society, but a lot of people still really don't realize the extent to which they are suffering. It seems like it would be obvious if you're suffering or if you're having a hard time that you are, but we are very masterful at not knowing. It is like a whole skill, sometimes a useful skill, sometimes not. So if suffering might not be the word that you would use to describe how you feel, I'm just using the words that I use either for myself or as a therapist. But as I'm going along, if you find that there's a different word that works better for you to help explain to yourself how you're feeling or explain to somebody else how you're feeling, 
then feel free to use those interchangeably. I think language is particularly important when we're talking about understanding our emotional experience because, you know, when we're in our feelings, when we're in our experience, it's sometimes even hard to explain it to ourselves. Like how many times maybe has somebody asked you, how are you doing? And you just, you're not sure, you don't know. And how is that possible that we can be living in our own bodies and not know how deeply or how badly we are suffering? But again, there are a lot of reasons why we got to go on with the day. We have to go to work. We've got to, you know, do daily chores. You have to do whatever your responsibilities are. You can't be paying attention to your feelings all of the time. And especially with the busyness of life these days, and maybe every generation says that, but hey, with the busyness of life these days, there is less and less time to really check in with yourself and connect with how you're really doing, let alone if you are a parent who is taking care of small children or anybody else for that matter. And I will tell you that even as a therapist who's been doing this for, I don't know, how old am I? at least, you know, 20 years to some extent, well, a little bit more than that. But there are times where I still don't know when I'm suffering or suffering as badly as I actually am. This is part of being human. It's part of our busy lives. It's a thing. So by no means wanting people to feel bad or ashamed or whatever, that they are not in tune with their, you know, emotional self. There's a really important reason that we are not in tune all of the time. And that's because we can't be, there's other stuff to do. However, I will say for either people who are highly sensitive or who are very internally, I guess you could say occupied or overwhelmed again, use whatever word works for you, there can be a almost constant awareness of your emotional state. And that is its own struggle. And I can say as a highly sensitive person, that is part of my own struggle, that I am often aware of how I'm doing. And sometimes being so aware is its own stressor. It's like one more thing to figure out how to manage and be okay with. That sounds like a whole other episode. So for now, there are reasons why we might not be in tune and there are reasons why we might be overly in tune to our emotional pain and our suffering. But part of the reason why I want to talk about this is because of how much suffering I see sitting where I sit as a therapist, people coming in to therapy and they may not have told a soul how they're doing or they might have a handful of people who know what's really, really going on. And it's so hard to see people in so much pain and suffering and feel alone in it. And loneliness is sort of an epidemic that we're in, in particular with like the distance through COVID and sometimes like the false sense of connection through social media that can happen. Certainly there are real connections that happens through social media, however, a lot of people feel lonely and being lonely in your feelings is a particular kind of pain in and of itself. Feeling like nobody understands you or you don't have a safe place to share. That's one of the reasons why I'm like, yep, therapy for everybody. Let's do this because it can be really hard to cultivate those relationships where you feel like you can share 
And, or if you have one person that you share with, that's great and cool, but that might not be the relationship where you can get an objective view or an objective type of support on how you're doing because they are invested in how you take care of yourself or don't in a different way. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food, like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own, and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breasts that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mind listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. And for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at OneSkin.co. Well, I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using OneSkin for several weeks and all is going well. I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. But they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells, and the OneSkin scientists found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New year, healthier skin. That's one skin. So in my therapy sessions with people, with many, many people that I meet with, that one hour of time together might be the only time in the week or every couple of weeks when they can really, really be in touch with what's going on underneath. Because as I said before, the busyness of the week takes over partner, kids or family and or other duties. And so it's hard to notice or we don't have time to notice how we're really doing. The busyness of life just takes over and you have to put one foot in front of the other. And that is fine and that is understandable. And I've witnessed countless times when people start off therapy session they might seem sort of like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I don't really know what to talk about this week or I th- think I'm doing all right and feel fairly buttoned up. And as we get going and talking about what's been going on in the week or in their life or what's happening for them internally, emotionally, I can see over the course of the session, just a, a loosening um, and sometimes even like a sinking, like shoulders dropping or the head dropping a little bit, or sometimes even getting really tired as the session goes on because we are getting more in touch and they are getting more in touch of the load that they are carrying. And so over the course of the session, they might realize that they're having a harder time than they thought that they were 
but because, you know, they're trying to get through their life, it's not something they can attend to all of the time. And again, that's okay. There is a real, real need for that type of coping. We have to be able to function, get things taken care of throughout the day. But there's another side to this that for some people, they avoid talking about how they're really doing or how they're really feeling. Sometimes for fear that if they were really in touch with what was going on, that they would just fall apart, that they would lose it. They'd be crying all the time. They wouldn't be able to function that it's almost like such a big feeling that it's too overwhelming to think about letting that if they open up anything, it'll be like opening a floodgate and everything will just pour out um, and leave them completely depleted. And there's almost another fear behind that fear is especially if we have deep wounds or deep sadness, that if we talk about it and we fall apart, that that feeling won't end, that it'll just go on forever because it feels so big and it feels so hard to imagine sometimes that you could feel differently than you do or that a feeling would pass, that it stays extra bottled up. People keep extra buttoned up so that they don't feel out of control. That's one way it can feel anyways. But what happens to us when there is no outlet or when there is no break, no reset, no therapy, no talking with a friend, no slowing down? And that can be for days and weeks and months. So for some people, years where it's just go, go, go. Those feelings don't go away. They just don't. You know, I often say it's not like I can pop open the hood and like look into your brain and see exactly what's going on and exactly what emotional things are happening. So the fear that we will stay in an emotional state forever is a real one. Meaning the fear is real. What is not real is that feelings do last forever. And that's for both bad feelings and good ones. They come and go. That is a natural part of our experience. I'm not necessarily talking about right now, what happens with depression or what happens with anxiety or or some of the types of mental health conditions where there is an ongoing state of mood that lasts for a long, long time. Even within that, feelings can rise and fall. So I'm not specifically talking about depression, which, you know, when we talk about a lot in the podcast about how it affects people, but I'm talking about the like the emotional underbelly of sometimes what leads to depression is not talking about stuff, not getting the support that we need and, and all that. So that, that's a different conversation. What I think is important to know is that two things can be true. Even more things can be true at the same time. Once you start talking about your emotional pain and suffering, you might fall apart. You might emotionally just unravel a bit or a lot, and it could feel really overwhelming and it could feel really out of control. And what's also true is that if you don't acknowledge it and you don't talk about it, you'll fall apart too. Emotions are emotions. We have them. They are part of us. Pain and suffering, unfortunately, is is a part of life. And the funny thing about emotional states and experiences and traumas and things that happen to us, they need to see the light of day in order to process through us. 
And whether that is, you know, the healing comes in a lot of different forms, but they need to see the light of day because that's like, that's a truth. That's just a real part of us and a real part of our experience. And the more that we deny that it's there or try not to attend to it, the more it grows and festers. And before you know it is like knocking on your door and saying like, listen to me, I'm here. You're going to deal with me whether you like it or not. And those whether you like it or not moments are the times where we sometimes get like sick and can't actually function. Or when it feels like you're just hitting a wall with functioning, you're totally burnt out, you just can't do it anymore. And certainly there can be other life situations and or things that contribute to that. But again, I'm just talking about the emotional experience. So when talking about our emotional pain and suffering, it is important for our feelings to be heard and seen and validated and understood. That's part of the healing. I mean, it's one of the cooler things to witness and experience myself too. If there is something going on, you're having a hard time, you're feeling bad, but whatever, you name it, and you share that with somebody, and that somebody comes back to you with a compassionate response, a validating response, like, oh my gosh, that really sucks. I'm sorry you're having such a hard time. You can almost feel it start to leave your body, the difficult emotional stuff, because it's like, that's the balm. That's part of the healing is being seen and heard and validated. And then you yourself can believe your own experience. You yourself can validate like, oh yeah, it is hard. It has been hard. And especially with that type of emotional support, emotional pain and suffering doesn't last forever. You can feel it leaving your body. So the things that can be true is that, yeah, you could fall apart emotionally if you talk about stuff, but yeah, you'll fall apart emotionally if you don't, or if you don't get support or healing and that we do not stay in emotional states forever. They, you can't, our, our brains don't function that way. They just move through. That's not to say you'll like move to a happy headspace necessarily, but I'm talking about these like really intense feelings. Those do wane, they do go away. And you can't imagine that it's possible when you're in it just does feel like it's going to last, but, but they don't, um, they shift and change and come and go. And that can even, and the knowledge that you will not stay in that state forever is actually one of the ways that you cope with intense feelings or can cope with intense feelings. It is hard and it takes a lot of practice, but when your emotional state kicks in and it's super intense, your logical brain kind of is like, is out to lunch. It just, kind of goes offline. It can be really hard to pull in any knowing or understanding that you'll feel better in a little bit, or you'll feel better soon, or that it won't be this way. But practicing knowing that, practicing holding on to that your pain and suffering won't last forever while you're in intense feelings is part of building tolerance for big feelings, building tolerance for big emotions. There are a lot of ways to do that. So this is just one example of ways that we can build tolerance for our own feelings, but it's a powerful one. It's a really powerful one. I can recall so many times where I've been in very intense emotional states at when I was younger, for sure, and did not feel like it would end. Could not imagine that I could feel any better. And 
you know, that feeling does build up an avoidance of wanting to deal with them. But through years of my own therapy, therapist who goes to therapy here, I've learned to tolerate really big feelings. And even just this year, there's been a handful of very difficult things that I've been through and didn't know how I was going to cope with. And when I felt like I was going to crack wide open, I had to allow myself to feel my feelings knowing that the way through is the way through. But because I've done a lot of practice with building up tolerance for my own feelings and knowing that I'll get through it, I could hear that voice in my head that knew that this would pass. And for me, therapy was part of understanding that. There are other modes of healing, modalities of healing that have contributed to that for me as well. There's all kinds of stuff. But getting your own support, doing your own work around this is part of the way that you can attend to your emotional state, to any suffering that you're experiencing in life. Having containment for how you're feeling, like the container of psychotherapy or whatever other modality of healing you seek, you know, could be meditation and acupuncture, other types of practices like spiritual practices, um, yoga, whatever it is for you. Those can be the container for some of the things that you're experiencing. One other aspect of this that I'd like to attend to, and that often comes up in therapy, is when people say to me, I don't understand how they can't see that I'm suffering. I don't understand how they can't tell that I'm not doing well. And that's, you know, people who are talking about their loved ones, their partners sometimes, it can feel so bad on the inside, inside ourselves, that it seems totally apparent that we are suffering. And therefore, it's confusing and frustrating and builds resentment when people around us are not taking care of us on our behalf. It's, I'll just say this for myself, uh, back in the day, some of my healing was figuring out that I was suffering and that I could ask for help, that I didn't need to be silent about it. But the truth is, is I wasn't paying attention to my own suffering, really. I just wanted somebody else to make it better for me. And Okay, we can, for all you therapists listening, you can imagine like where all my issues come from. This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have a historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it, and their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has several other high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable and not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash momandmind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash momandmind for 25% off. This episode is supported by Factor. Eating better is better with ready-to-eat Factor meals. And ready-to-eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done. I mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run, 
or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high protein and calorie smart options, one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic roasted green beans. This is restaurant quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. So in some scenarios, you might not have expressed to the people around you that you're having a hard time. And for a lot of people who are really, really good at just getting stuff done, it is hard to tell if somebody's suffering, if you're just putting one foot in front of the other. I mean, it can be hard to tell when somebody else is suffering if they are really good at just keeping going and doing all of the things, sometimes even hyper-functioning when they are feeling their worst because it's a, you know, a way of coping or, or whatever. Everybody comes to their issues in their own way or from family dynamics or things you've experienced in your life. But suffice to say that not everybody's going to know when you're suffering and be able to come and help you in the way that you need. It might be a long held desire to be taken care of by other people that's showing up in this way. It could again be that you're hyper-functioning and people can't tell. It could be that you have people around you who are, you know, maybe dealing with their own stuff or who don't have the kind of sensitivity to notice those things. There are all sorts of reasons, but it can be another way of feeling really alone when we want people to help us and or we think that they're going to be able to see how we're doing and they don't. It's almost can be like a, a confirmation for us that well, maybe we're not actually suffering that much if nobody else notices. So like we just do weird stuff in our brains and we can talk ourselves in and out of all kinds of stuff based on whatever your history is and your own emotional complexities and all these things. We don't know what's going on with other people all the time. And sometimes there isn't a safe environment to talk about how we're doing. That's very true also. It's even harder if two people in a partnership are suffering at the same time. It is really, really hard to be supportive of each other when you feel like you're running on empty yourself. Anyhow, I want to make a point that is a really soapbox issue for me, something that just frankly pisses me off to no end every time I hear it. And I hear it too often. When somebody's coming into therapy and telling me how they're doing, how bad they feel, how hard things have been. And I check in with them about, you know, who have you told, who are your support people? And they tell me that they have told people how they're doing. They have communicated what's going on with them. And the people around them put the responsibility back onto the person who's suffering for them for the person who's suffering to tell the family member how to handle it. This is like, you know, uh, just to give an akin example, like if somebody falls down and breaks their leg and they're like, broke my leg, I cannot stand up. And the person who is near them tells them, well, I'll help you after you get up or you're going to have to find a way to stand up on your own. Like that is just not supportive. And no one chooses to feel 
this way. No one chooses to feel bad. No one is choosing to suffer. And it is not the person's job who's suffering to help you help them. If you are that family member or you are that person, look something up, look into it, or at least be curious. Ask the person who's suffering how they're doing, what's going on, what does it feel like, and or just listen. Listen for understanding. But there are just too many times where people then go back into their hole, go back into not wanting to share because they're completely invalidated or it doesn't feel safe anymore to share. And these are, again, going like going back to some of the societal things, these are reasons why people don't share. Is you like, if you're trying to put your toe in the water to test the temperature of the people around you, if they're gonna be supportive or not, and you're met with that being minimized, diminished, being told to snap out of it, you just like be happy, they're not gonna open up to you. It's not gonna feel safe. So if you have, are the person who's in emotional pain and you've had that experience, just know it's like you've had the experience of people shutting you down. Just know that that is not a confirmation of uh, that you need to stay silent. It is not evidence that you should be doing better than you are. It just means that you have people around who don't get it and that's it. It means nothing about you if people around you can't be supportive. So, and this is what I see that the power of therapy and the healing of people that I've seen, and I love to see the healing process. It's the coolest thing. People who come in and have all kinds of self-judgment, all kinds of self-doubt and learn over time about their emotional states and how and why they might be experiencing them and that they are common or that there are ways to feel better. Healing is the coolest thing. I can see the light come back into their eyes and color come back into their face and hope come back into their thoughts. And for you out there who might not have hope right now or who might be deep, deep in this emotional pain, there is a way out. There is a way through. And even if you don't have the your immediate people around you who you feel safe and comfortable with to share with. That's why therapy is really, really helpful and why it can be so supportive so that you can begin to have a place where you share how you're doing, share how you're feeling. You have that one hour a week or every other week where you just dump it out and you are heard and understood and validated and supported because we need that. This is not some crazy thing that only therapists provide or whatever. We as people need this and ideally could do it for each other, but we don't all have the skill set. And if you are trying to figure out a way to get that support in your life, a couple of things that you can say to people around you is like, I'm having a lot of really big feelings. I don't know what to do with them. And I'd like to be able to talk about them with you, but I'd love for you to just listen. I don't necessarily need a fix. I'm just trying to figure it out myself. Or, you know, it may be hard to understand how I'm feeling and what's going on for me, but I could really use your support. And I would appreciate if you could help me find help, find a therapist or a support group or a physician or some type, you know, whatever it is that you need. And it is hard to ask. And it is hard to say that I don't know what's going on. It is hard to say, I'm trying to figure this out myself. It's, it's a vulnerable state you're already in. And then to ask for help is an additional vulnerable state. So I'm just giving some like sentences to help 
you formulate how you might want to ask for your own help, or if you'd like to approach somebody in your friend circle or your family circle that you have a sense of trust with or a sense of community with, I hope that you'll be, most people will be supportive and you can let them off the hook. You can tell them, you don't have to fix this for me. You don't have to know the answers. I just need somebody to talk to, or I just need somebody to listen. So I just want you out there to know that you are not a burden. You are not a burden emotionally or in any other way. And if people have feelings and we have to bring the humanity back into us, the reality that I suffer, that you suffer, that we as people, as feeling, thinking, experiencing beings are going to run into difficult things in our life. And we do not have to pretend that we have it all together. I do not have it all together, but y'all are not in my day-to-day life. So you can't see where I'm overwhelmed or upset or irritated or crying, but it's really easy to be on, let's say the other side of this microphone or the other side of that screen and think, oh, yeah, she's got some answers and maybe she knows really what's going on or how come she's not suffering or whatever, whatever it is. People do this. Clients do this. Everybody does it. We make assumptions that other people are doing better or having it better or better at whatever than we are. And I have not met one single person, human, whatever, who has it all figured out, who has zero suffering, who does everything perfectly, and who has nothing to worry about. It does not exist. So I just think these conversations are super important. So we don't walk out into the world comparing how we feel internally, which is if our feelings are feeling bad internally to what it seems like other people are feeling or doing externally. We're usually comparing our worst with their best. That's not a fair game. So for any of you out there who are dealing with or are now getting in touch with the fact that you are suffering, having emotional pain or whatever word that you've decided to use for this, it's okay to seek help. It's okay to get support so that you don't have to suffer as much or at least not suffer alone at the very minimum that you have support through the process. So I'm wishing you all the best out there and healing if you want it or need it. And thanks for being here. See you next time. Please find the Mom and Mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at mom and mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.